New Life Church supports the mission of Vera and she is visiting Canada this summer and we have a which is going to what she's been doing since we last saw her and so I'm going to invite Vera to come up now and to tell us. I want to say after Vera has spoken Luke is going to come and bring a word and then I'm going to close the meeting out. Thank you. Uh, hello, good morning. It's really nice to be uh, with you guys this morning, uh, and it's really great to be back uh, with you. I think the last time I was here was three years ago, because um, it's been three years since I've been back to Canada. Uh, I have been in Poland over these past three years, uh, working uh, in full-time ministry, um, and I'll share a little bit more about how I got there, but first I wanted to give you a little bit of backstory about who I am and my connection with New Life. So in 2008, um, I started university at Queens, uh, which is in Kingston. And at the end of my first year, I decided to get baptized. Uh, I had believed in God for a couple years, uh, but then I felt like God was calling me to commit uh, to a deeper commitment. Um, and at the time, I was attending a church, and the, uh, the week that I decided to get baptized, there was an announcement saying there will be baptisms. So I said, this is definitely from God. Uh, signed up, uh, invited all my friends from my floor, my parents, my family, uh, and it really was uh, wonderful. Uh, in my second year, I started uh, participating in the community and ministry at the church, uh, and on campus, I joined a student fellowship group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. First, I was just a student participant, and then I was a leader. And when I finished and graduated from Queens, I decided to do a year-long internship with InterVarsity. Uh, in, uh, and I was sent to help uh, plant the high school ministry here in Toronto. So for five years, I was working in Etobicoke, and we were doing high school ministry. We were uh, helping students lead fellowships um, in their high schools. Uh, yeah. Uh, after that, I started uh, working at U of T as a campus staff. So I was helping students at U of T run a fellowship uh, where students could come, do Bible study, worship, uh, gather. And that's when I started coming to New Life, which was in 2019. <laughs> Um, while I was working at U of T, uh, I came and connected with this community. Um, so for the past three years, I've been working with InterVarsity in Poland uh, with the sister movement called HSA, which is also a student ministry, uh, and I've been working with international students. So InterVarsity, uh, the student fellowship, it's part of a global organization called IFES, or the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. So every country has uh, their own um, campus ministry under a different name, but we're all connected under this big family called IFES. Uh, so another question, how did I end up in Poland? Well, the long story short is I married a Polish man. And <laughs> before we got married, we actually planned to live in Canada, uh, but both of us felt God leading us to consider Poland. Uh, my husband, or my fiancé at the time, was already in Poland, um, and I started praying and, and thinking, what would it look like for me to go join him in Poland? I asked InterVarsity if I could potentially move to Poland and work with the student ministry there, and they said, yes, that would be no problem. So we finalized all our plans, our wedding plans, our work plans, and then one month later, COVID started. Uh, God was really, really faithful to us because we made all of these plans before COVID. Uh, 
and we were all ready to go. We just had to wait for the borders to open. If we had decided after COVID started to live in Poland, it, would, it wouldn't be possible. Um, the Canadian border stayed closed for a very long time, but the Polish borders opened a couple months later, and so I went, uh, moved to Poland, we got married, and I started working with the student ministry there. So in the beginning, um, we basically were doing online meetings like everybody else. Uh, after a couple months, it was uh, considered safe in Poland, at least, to go visit people in person. So I started meeting students in different cities and looking for partners uh, who could start campus groups uh, in different cities in Poland. Uh, about a couple months after I started this project, uh, I ran into and started meeting a lot of students from Belarus. So Belarus uh, shares a border with Poland, it's just uh, north of Poland. Uh, I was raised in Canada, but my family is from Russia, so I grew up speaking Russian at home. So even though my Polish wasn't very good, I was able to speak Russian with the Russian-speaking students from Belarus. Uh, I also met volunteers from the IFES movement in Belarus, so they also have a student movement called SSH. Uh, a lot of the staff and uh, some of the board members even um, over the past couple of years have left Belarus because the political situation there is very difficult, was and still is. Um, many of the Christians who've been speaking out against the government have been arrested, detained. Uh, some, some friends of the people I was meeting had just disappeared. And so when the staff learned that they were on this list of potential people who could be detained, a lot of them decided uh, to leave. Uh, and a lot came to Poland, and many, many people came to Poland from Belarus. Um, and this was also just before the war in Ukraine started. Um, when, this war, uh, when the war began in Ukraine, uh, a couple of people, um, uh, additional people came from Belarus to Poland, uh, particularly one staff and his wife uh, came to Warsaw just a few, uh, a few weeks after the war began. Uh, they were afraid of being drafted into the conflict because they were both medically trained and they, they knew that they would be called to serve as medics and they, they said they uh, had no interest in that, so they, they, they fled. Um, at the same time, I was actually working with a group of Belarusian students in Warsaw. There was about 10 students that had come from Belarus um, and they were really passionate about starting a group on campus. Um, I was trying to work with them from afar, but when I told them that there was a staff coming from Belarus who wanted to work with them, they said that this was an answer to prayer. Um, so Haasa, the Polish movement, was able to hire the staff from Belarus, and he started working with the Russian-speaking students in Warsaw. Uh, there's also a number of Ukrainian students who have fled from the war uh, and come to Warsaw, and who had joined the group, both Christian students and non-Christian students. Even though Ukrainian is the preferred language, a lot of students from the East still speak Russian. So this small group of students has grown. Um, it's become like a home for many of the Ukrainian students who have fled. And they're still gathering every week to study scripture, just to be together. Yeah. Uh, so now we are working with the Belarusian staff and the Ukrainian staff trying to connect the students and other people who are interested in doing campus ministry together in cities like Warsaw, Wrocław, Poznań and things like that. Uh, when the war started, there were a lot, millions, millions of refugees who, had, uh, who were crossing the border. Um, and this is a little different than the student ministry that I was doing, but my husband and I really wanted to help and, and try to provide housing, temporary housing, for the refugees that were coming. 
Um, at first, we thought that we would have to do some work closer to the border, but within a few days, uh, p- uh, refugees were showing up in our town. And our town was actually seven hours away from the border. Um, but if, uh, within, I think, three days, we already had an influx of hundreds of people, and within a month, it was thousands. Uh, we had asked our church if we could use our church hostel to house uh, refugees. Uh, they said, yes, of course. Um, they just needed the funds. So I said, you know what, it's okay. I have a lot of connections and friends in Canada. I'm going to write a letter and see if there's anyone interested in giving. We asked for about $10,000, and within a week, $40,000 came in. Yes, praise God. Uh, Yes, a lot of that, most of that came through and from New Life Church. So thank you so much for that support. We were able to open up uh, three rooms with uh, three, four, five beds and one uh, conference room with 10 beds. Um, We also realized that there was still a need. So about three months after the war started, we heard that there was a group of people coming uh, from the east, from occupied territory to Poland. Some of their family was already with us in our city, and so they wanted the rest of the family to come and join them. Uh, However, they were in occupied territory, which meant we needed to send funds to transport them uh, from that territory through Russia, through Belarus, um, I think it was also through some other countries uh, until they were finally able to reach the rest of their family in Poland. Uh, At this point, it had been three months since the war started, um, and I think people were really tired. Uh, Everything was full. There was no room in our church. There was no room in the refugee centers. Everyone who had opened up their home, they were also full. Um, But we knew that there was about 17 people coming. At first it was just one family and they said, but we have friends, can we bring them? And those friends said, we have friends, can we bring them? And we knew that there were 17 people coming and we had no room for them. Um, We started looking for an apartment to rent or any any other option, but everything we found was kind of run down. um, And it wasn't, it was either too expensive or too small. Uh, And so we prayed. I said, God, I know that you have a big open house with a lot of room somewhere here, somewhere close by. Uh, we, we need this place. Um, the next day, it was it, literally the next day after that prayer, a landlord called us and said, um, the property that you're interested in probably doesn't fit what you need, but I have a house, a seven-bedroom house with 15 beds, backyard, kitchen, living room. (laughs) Do you want to come and see it? And when we went and we saw it, we said, this is the perfect place. It was bright and open. Um, It was exactly what we were hoping for, a place where people could really rest from the trauma and all of the experiences they were coming from, a place they can recuperate, get on their feet, and then hopefully figure out their next steps from there. Um, We quickly said, this is the house we've been praying for. Uh, We signed the lease. Uh, The only problem was it was a little expensive. (laughs) Uh, we had enough money uh, left over from the 40000 to pay for the first month's rent and for the deposit. Um, I said, it's okay, I'll just write another letter, <laughs> send it to Canada, and the funds will come in. Um, so I did that, and no funds came in. <laughs> I think it was because people were tired. They had been giving a lot of their time and energy within Poland and everyone outside. It had been about three, four months since the war started. Um, they were maybe... Moving on, uh, the news had moved on a little bit, and maybe people weren't as interested in giving anymore. Um, I was really worried because I had said, the money will come, people will, will give. Um, and I was nervous about making this promise. We had 17 people coming, we had a lease signed, and there was no, no funds coming in. And I prayed, and I said, God, what's going on? And he said, Vera, the money's coming, just pray. <laughs> 
just live like it's already, it's already there, like you already have these funds. And that was really difficult. <laughs> um, every time I would get worried, I would have to stop and say, okay, God, you have already provided. I don't see it yet, <laughs> but I know it's on its way. Um, and the money didn't come right away. It was about three weeks before uh, we saw the funds come in. Uh, what had happened, actually, was got a message uh, on Facebook from a gentleman named Ben. And I had met Ben one year ago at a conference. Uh, he, uh, we didn't talk very much. He was a missionary that lived a couple hours away. He said, I read your story about the housing initiative. Uh, how much do you need? And I said, well, Ben, <laughs> we need about uh, 50,000 zloty, which is about uh, $15,000 Canadian. He said, great, I'll send that today. And I said, oh, thank you so much, assuming that he was only going to send maybe a portion of that. The next day when I checked my account, he had sent all of it. Um, and that money was enough to get us through six months. Uh, and then after he had sent that donation, a couple weeks later, more and more donations came in. And we were able to actually keep the house for eight months. We had two groups of people, two groups of 17 people through the house uh, during those eight months as well. Um, yeah, I, I felt like God was trying to teach me about his provision. He said, even though people may be tired, even though their resources may be limited, my love and care for these refugees is abundant, and I, will, and I am generous. I will always provide what you need. And he also said, I love, I love these people even more than, than you do, and I want to provide for them even more than you do. And that was an incredible story that we shared with the refugees. We shared with uh, all the people that came through the church and the house, um, they would always ask, where is the money coming from? And we could say, it is coming from our prayers and from God, from the people who want to help you. Um, and that was a testimony to them. Many of the refugees stopped by our church. Uh, we were able to pray with some of them. Uh, but in, in the end, uh, most people were only with us for a couple months. Um, when they, uh, some were able to get work, some were able to find their own apartments to live. A lot of people actually went back to Ukraine into safer territories. Uh, uh, because they couldn't find work in Poland because Poland was so overwhelmed with people. Um, there were a couple situations, especially with the funds for, for what we were doing, that um, God used to teach me about his provision. One of them was the, one of the places where the refugees were staying. The landlords uh, said that they had damaged the property, which wasn't true. And he had withheld um, a, a portion of money. We were ready to fight for that money. We were ready to say, no, they didn't do this damage. And I just felt God say to me, just let it go. I'll give you 10 times more. Within a week, we had 10 times more the amount that this landlord took from us. Um, and that happened again, actually. Once, when we finished the lease with the house, the landlord kept our deposit because he said the damage to the house was really severe even though it wasn't. <laughs> um, and we were, again, ready to call a lawyer and fight for the deposit, but I just felt God say, let it go. It, it's, it's my money. I will, I will deal with the situation. And the next day, uh, the same amount of money that the landlord took from us came into our account. And that, again, that was, I, God was showing me and teaching me that his provision, his ability to provide was greater than mine. And I didn't need to fight for these resources. It really was abundant in his kingdom. And I did want to say thank you again for all the funds that you sent and all the funds that came through New Life. It was an incredible blessing and testimony to everyone we, we met and talked to. And we shared that. Uh, we shared the story of where the money had come from. And it really was a blessing and a testimony to everyone uh, that we came in contact with. In the end, we were able to house, feed, and help about 100 people over the course of the year. 
Um, about, um, I'd say, March, a lot of the stuff that we were doing with the refugees had died down. There was more space in the refugee centers, so for the people that were coming or the people that had stayed, there was room. Um, and we were able to send off people into apartments. We helped them pay for their first month's rent, and we helped uh, support the deposits, and uh, they were able to live on their own, find work. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a summary of what we uh, were able to do with the, uh, with the refugee housing initiative. Um, so what, what now? <laughs> what does ministry look like now? Um, I've been on maternity leave actually for the past year, and I'm returning to work in a few weeks in September. Uh, Conrad, my husband, and I welcomed our first son, Alexander, and I think he's back there somewhere wandering the halls. <laughs> um, so I'll be back working with international students, um, and high school students in my city, uh, and really wherever, uh, wherever else God has me. I think one of the things I've learned from the past three years is um, life is very unexpected. I never thought that I'd be working with Russian-speaking students uh, and Ukrainian refugees. Uh, so my prayer has been just to be useful wherever God has placed me and to kind of leave the door open to the kind of ministry that he has ahead for, for me and my family. Uh, I'll continue working with the Belarusian students, Ukrainian students, um, yeah, and over the next couple, uh, hopefully months, uh, international students, so English-speaking students as well in Poland. Um, please uh, continue praying for the ministry. We really do need uh, student leaders that are passionate and committed about starting groups and uh, leading Bible studies that we can work with to um, be on campus and minister to the students around us. Uh, pray for these student leaders that we would be able to find them. Pray for groups that they would be able to start and be planted. Um, yeah, and just and pray for us as we're, uh, we're doing the work. I'm working with uh, two other staff, one Russian-speaking and one Polish-speaking staff. So there's three of us with many languages in between. <laughs> uh, so pray for us as well that we'd be able to find coworkers and partners in this work and ministry. So yeah, those, that's about it. Thank you so much again. Well, it's great to be here with you guys. It's great to see so many new faces and to reconnect with uh, everyone we left behind. So we've had a big adventure in France and there's been a lot of steps in our journey that, uh, where God has guided us and led us. And I just want to share something really quickly. I'll try and be quick. Just about um, my experience right now in my workplace how God has shown me that uh, basically this is my mission field and, and how to share God's kingdom in the workplace. And it really comes from this verse here. It says, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And I can apply that to who are also at work. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of, of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to, first the, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So I'll give you a really, really quick uh, uh, timeline of what happened the last five years. We felt God calling us to move to France and he moved as a family, me and my wife, Amanda, three girls. And the first year for me was very difficult because I didn't find any work and I couldn't figure out why God had asked me to move to France. And eventually, in his good timing, he opened a door for me to start working. And through his grace and goodness, I could find 
he provided a job for me that was really just perfect for my skills and gave me a place where actually I could learn French. He put me with a colleague who was a Christian who really helped me learn French and, um, and uh, God gave me uh, just so much favor in this job. And my boss saw my, my, my work and he saw my skills and he said, we have a new opportunity coming up that I think you'll be good for. It's at the WHO and it's to be in charge of a, a team to run all the audio and video for their conferences. And so I said, no, I'm not interested in being the manager or anything. I just, that's not really my thing. And he asked me a second time. And I said, no, no, I'll just be part of the team. Anyway, we started the work, and it was going really well. And just the way that the, the, the dynamics of the team, the dynamics of, of, of us socially as a team, the way it fit together, I actually found myself to be sort of the natural leader. And my, my boss asked me a third time, says, it's you, I really think it's you that should be the leader. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And as the manager, I have, I have a lot of responsibility. The, the, if the, the meetings have to run well. The microphones all have to work. When they push a microphone, the camera has to turn and put them on the screen. All these things have to work. So I've really tried to instill a, um, an atmosphere of, of real honesty with the team, accountability and honesty. If there's a problem, we say, we say exactly what the problem is. If someone makes a mistake, we'll say, hey, I made a mistake. There's no, no condemnation. It's just like there's, we, we've got to fix these issues as quick as possible and move on. And a lot of these, a lot of the atmosphere and the attitude and things like that that I need to instill come from my, my beliefs as a Christian, come from my, my ethics. And a lot of that can spill over into our, our personal interaction as well. We spend a lot of time at lunch talking about things that aren't work. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, I have a colleague whose mother is a Reiki healer. I don't know if you know what that is. It's kind of like a new age kind of healing thing, spiritual healing. And so it, for me, it was a great opportunity to ask questions like, what is that? What do you believe? Like, do, does it work? Does it, uh, do people get healed? Do people like it? Like, what do you think personally? So my colleague and we could we could share, and I could say, you know, as a Christian, I also believe in spiritual healing, and I believe that, that God does these things, you know, and you could come to my church, and we can pray for you as well. And uh, they're kind of not sure, and they're kind of challenged. But what, is, what God has really put on my heart for, for my workplace is a love for my colleagues, it's not just a professional, I'm your manager, you've got to do what I say, you know, like, I really try and show them love like they're my brothers, like I really care for them, if they need, if they need a time off, I'll, I'll fight for them to get them the time off, you know, if, they, if they're going through a difficult moment, I'll tell them to, to stop, I'll take over, I'll do what you need to do for the day, and so they, they really know that I'm looking out for them, I'm on their side, I'm standing up for them. I'm, I'm trying to be like their brother. So when it comes to speaking to them about things like 
spiritual things, things about God, when it comes to sharing them, sharing my testimony with them, I'm not, I'm not trying to push something on them. It's not, it's not me as a manager trying to manage them, manage their spiritual life. It's me as they're coming to them as, as a brother, as someone who loves them, wanting to share with them, wanting to, to build them up, wanting to teach them something. And this, this love for them that God has given me enables a boldness in me to, to share. It would be easy just professionally just to stand back and say, oh no, that's not my job. We're, we're at work now. We don't talk about that stuff. We don't, you know, we don't, uh, we don't talk about Jesus. That's not allowed. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's really, these are the guys who I'm with all the time. These are the guys who have the most influence in, uh, in, my, in my life right now. This is my opportunity. It's not that I don't need to wait for something. I don't need to wait for God to bring me somewhere to, to share with people. God has put me in this place. I have these people around me all the time. I'm actually their boss. When I speak, they've got to listen. You know? So God has given me this boldness that comes out of this love he's given me for them. And, and what I see, I, I see that I have an influence in their lives. I see that they, they see me differently from, from other people. They jo- actually, they joke, they joke and they call me Jesus. Which, which is, for me, it's a good joke. I like, I like that. I like it if they call me Jesus. That's kind of, that's kind of my goal. Uh, <laughs> you know. But I see in their lives that I, that I have influence when they're, when they're going through, I've got one colleague who's going through a really difficult time with, with his wife right now. And I can speak into his life. I can, I can say, I can talk about the details, his problems, and, and, and share my heart with him about what I think, what the kingdom values are for a marriage, and what, um, what, what God would think in that situation. And I want to just finish quickly and encourage you guys. Wherever you are, I'm sure you're in contact with some people who don't know God. Even if it's just one person that you, you just see all the time. And you just have maybe the, those moments where you can, you can just bring some kingdom values into this person's life. You can, you can be honest with them about your life and open the door for them to be honest about your life. You, know? you, can, you, can, you can share with people and, and develop relationships. And we don't necessarily need to be, to be, to be sent as a missionary. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. But... I believe personally that God has put us all in a place where we have one or two or three people that we can speak to, that we can share God's word. And we're not, it's not that we have to convert these people. We don't have to. We're not responsible to make these people Christians. We're just to share, just to share God's love, to share God's kingdom, to be brothers and sisters to these people because that's, that's really what, what they need. So there we go. Thank you. Thank you for your ears.